welcome to Sort of the Story. I'm Janie. And I'm Max. And this is the podcast where we tell each other stories, like fairy tales and folk tales and mythology and everything else. Other stuff. Yeah. Cool stuff. stuff. Did she just... No, okay. And also... You are here. Hi, welcome. Welcome to Sort of the Story, the podcast where we tell each other stories, like fairy tales and folk tales and mythology and And other other stuff. stuff. And also... (laughs) You are here. Welcome. <laughs> okay, well, we're doing it normal, as we usually normally do. As always. Yeah, we're Classic, fucking. normal, standard style. We are killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Original flavor. This is not a podcast for children, so if you're listening in a car with children, turn it off. Turn on Bluey. <laughs> also, if you're a child, don't listen to this or we'll tell your mom. We're telling. There is a little program attached to all no, podcasts. No, no, no. It's becoming less believable. <laughs> Stop explaining it's it. attached to all podcasts, and it knows how old you are based off of your facial scan that your iPhone has. Did you so if you have a Samsung, you're safe. <laughs> if you're still listening to this, you're so bad. <laughs> Look at you, you bad thing. Be better! <laughs> Max. Podcast not for kids. Yes, that's true. Max. Yeah, what's up? What? I have a question for you, and I for think me? a lot of the listeners also have the same question. For me? Yes. If they wanted to hear secret episodes, no, 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 of this, no, no, no. How would it's they do your that? year? <laughs> Not my year. It's your year. It was decided. It was decided. I can't do it. Okay. Well, <laughs> if I add one more thing to my list, I will melt into the floor. Fair enough. And then Summer the Horror will have to be your <laughs> podcast co-host. <laughs> Guys, listen to the test at the end of this. Max calls my dog a whore. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to hear episodes of this that are more than the episodes that are available publicly they're secret extra special episodes they're so secret we shouldn't even be telling you about it i know like... oh my god it's <laughs> like can you keep a secret oh my god you can keep a secret right i just like we don't want anyone to find out but like it is kind of exciting so like you'll never can guess. i tell you like you won't tell anyone i can tell you right okay don't tell any kids either no don't tell any kids or adults yeah or old people. <laughs> you can tell babies. You can tell babies. Babies would never. Babies don't understand. Babies will never spill our secret. And also babies don't have money. And what you need to oh. get on our Patreon is a small amount of money. <laughs> like $7. For $7 a month, you can get access to a full length, super secret special episode. Yeah. Every single month. <laughs> You can find the information for that in the link for our Patreon, which is in the show notes for this episode and every episode, or $7 is a little bit too rich for your blood. Don't even worry about it. Whatever. Same. We don't care. <laughs> you can you spend, think we fucking care? You we can don't. spend $3 to join us on Discord, which also includes access to the book club yeah. and other fun stuff that we do on the Discord where we hang out with our pals. So that's also on our Patreon. Check that out. But if you're like, whatever, $3 is also too much. A lot of cool stuff for free. All the episodes. 118, no, way more than that. Like 130 episodes. Like 150 episodes. Oh, you're putting in the off topics yes. in there. I was like, <laughs> how many have we done? <laughs> like 150 episodes That's that you lot. can find anywhere that you stream podcasts. You can also follow us on our socials, Instagram, technically Facebook, I guess, if you wanted to. TikTok. We have a Goodreads and a TikTok. Uh, we also have a bookshop.org affiliate account for all of the books that we use on the Somebody podcast. Somebody just bought a couple books off there. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, they bought a cool one too. Oh, I love it. Bookshop.org is really cool because it uh, you buy books from there and they come from 
local independent bookstores rather than from like big book companies. So every purchase helps to fund an independent bookstore. And we haven't plugged them in a little while, but just a reminder that they're so fucking cool. And you should buy your books from them. Um, Anytime you want to just hang out with us or chat or tell us a fun fact or like a riddle or something, you can always email us. That's yeah. (laughs) Sort of the story at gmail.com. Yeah. And you can also check out our website, sort of the story.com. Uh, if you want to see stuff about the stories or, like, a map or, I don't know, what else we got on there? A map? Yeah, we have a map, right? No. <laughs> Isn't there a map? What kind of map? With all the locations on it. No, there's not. It's a list of locations. <laughs> I was like, a map? I imagined a <laughs> if giant... If you look really carefully at the website, you gotta click a couple links, but there's a secret map, and it leads to a secret treasure. I was imagining a giant Tolkien-esque map, and I'm like, do we have... <laughs> We don't have that, right? <laughs> we should, though. What would we have a map of? Uh, where our listeners are from. Oh, that would be fun. We have it on Buzzsprout. Oh. I can show you later. <laughs> I would what? like to see it. <laughs> okay. Well, Max, that was beautifully done. Thank you so much. I've we... had a year of practice. <laughs> year. Whole year. Exactly one year, because we yes. just recorded the 12th bonus episode. Yes. Yeah. Which was a very fun one. It was a fun one. Max told some excellent spooky stories to tell children like native specifically native american spooky stories to tell kids Mm -hmm. it's not for kids (laughs) not for kids but you can scare the crap out of some kids you can scare the ever-loving fuck out of some kids with those stories you scared the ever-loving fuck out of me with those stories yeah so (laughs) yeah you can also get a pretty good insult if you want because one of the stories is about ugly face so (laughs) ugly face as you can imagine A lot of sick burns in that story. Sick burns. <laughs> oh, man. And I told the longest, most confusing story known to man. Oh, Janie told a Mad Lib and then an equally long anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just being silly, goofy fun. <laughs> it was basically a, a Mad Lib. Basically a Mad Lib. Pretty fun. So, yeah. Very fun. Thank you for hanging out with us, for everybody who has subscribed. And if you haven't, go do it. It's fun. Come hang out with us. Yeah. Get some extra tales. Uh, we are a little more unhinged on the bonus episodes. Yeah. If you can believe it. Because <laughs> my parents don't listen there. That's true. So okay. I can talk about, like, butts and drugs and stuff. <laughs> I wish you would ch- stop telling your butt drug story. <laughs> It's not as charming as you think it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> False. <laughs> okay. Well, Max, excellent intro. Thank we you. We fucking killed it. Can't oh, my of... God. Yeah. It's oh. dead. Well, next week, we'll have to think of a new one. With that... <laughs> the eternal cycle of creation, life, and death. <laughs> yeah, we're cruel gods. Would you like to tell me a little tale today? I would like to tell you a little tale. Okay. And I guess you guys can stay and hear it, too. So uh, we're gonna go do that. You could have just stopped the recording. I should have. I always go a little too far. Always just like three seconds too long. What a scamp. Okay, bye. Not bye. And stuff. Okay, Jamie. Okay, Max. Uh, The story that I have for you today is from Slavic Myths, which is part of the Flame Tree Publishing series of myths, edited by Jake Jackson. We've talked a pile about Flame Tree Publishing. They, um... We've talked a pile about? Yeah. That's cute. Thanks. I've never heard anyone say that. I don't know if I have either. Sometimes I just say stuff. <laughs> Sometimes I just fucking say stuff and it's Sometimes cute I'm just as saying hell. stuff. <laughs> talked a pile about Jake Jackson. <laughs> but Flame Tree Publishing takes a lot of classical texts that are in the 
common that are out of copyright. Yes. The term that we use for that that I can never remember. I'm going to put a poster in your office here that just has <laughs> that word on it because I talk about it all the time and I can never remember what the word is. <sighs> My brain keeps saying Commonwealth. It's in their... They are out of copyright. Yeah. They are fair use. They are in the ether. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the internet. They're in there. They really are. And Flame Tree Publishing published them into really nice book collections. And a lot of times they have folklorists in like pertinent fields write intros and contextualize the stories and everything. So it's it's really cool. I'm someone who likes to read like physical books. Mm-hmm. Not so good with digital digital books. <laughs> You're not good with a couple things. <laughs> I have multiple issues. <laughs> um, so the Flame Tree Publishing books are really great for me. Not sponsored by Flame Tree Publishing, just to say, just to say, but they're really if great for me. If you use the code, sort of the story, when you Honestly? see Jake, when you see Jake Jackson walking down the street, just scream sort of the story at him, and maybe he'll give all of us a free book. <laughs> maybe he'll give you his wallet. <laughs> You you might have to hold some sort of weapon. <laughs> Nobody threaten Jake Jackson, please. No, not without the code word. Not You'd be the doing it for free. <laughs> but I really like the I like the Flame Tree Publishing books because they are like a physical version of something that you can often find for free online. But it's nice to have it in physical copy as well. Yeah. Uh, so this book is called Slavic Myths, which is defined as. Myths from the peoples of Eastern Europe, from the Polish, Slovaks, and Czechs to the Macedonians, Croats, and Serbians. It's a really fun little book. It's got a bunch of really fun little tales. A lot of them are versions of stories that we've already told. So a lot of them are... I'm not going to be able to tell on the podcast, probably. Yeah. Unless we really run out of ideas. Which hasn't happened yet. And hopefully we'll never have will. an episode where we just retell the same story. <laughs> <laughs> but this story that I have for you today, Janie, mm-hmm. <clears throat> is called The Three Fates... Okay. And it's from Macedonia. Good. If you're not familiar with the concept of the three fates, Janie is. (laughs) (laughs) I might be. (laughs) You might be a little familiar. A lot of people get them mixed up with the Grey Sisters because of Hercules. The Disney movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually fine with that. I I don't see a problem with any of it. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) It's kind of fine. They're they're different. They're they're two separate things, but they blended the two together, and I thought that was kind of cool. It was a cool character design. I think I read something that in, like, the Chthonic cycle they are the same maybe i don't know i could be wrong Mm. i just glanced at it anyways the three fates are from greek myth they're also called the moirai clotho the spinner lachesis the allotter and atropos the inevitable who represents death Mm. they are three sisters a lot of a lot of times they are depicted either as like three sisters of the same age or three women one of them like mother maiden crone kind of thing yeah um it's it's another version of the like three-faced goddess uh, mm-hmm. hecate and all that sort of stuff um it is something that recurs in folklore throughout europe and elsewhere i um, want to be nicknamed the inevitable <laughs> Janie the inevitable Janie the inevitable robbery that's that's such a fucking metal name oh that's your wrestler name <laughs> oh my god no my ne- wrestler name is dicky vicky we already decided <laughs> That's in the bonus episode. <laughs> in the bonus episode, we reveal our wrestler personas. And I stick this stuff. <laughs> I'm a wizard. <laughs> Max got confused. <laughs> she doesn't know the difference between wrestling and D&D. <laughs> so there are these three figures who, um, they measure out the path of a person's life from when they are born to when they die. They determine how long they will live and what will happen over the course of their life. So they are fate. Yeah. You know, 
our common idea of fate in the modern era. A lot of times they are depicted as like weavers, kind of. Um, so there's Clotho the spinner, and she spins the thread of life. Mm-hmm. And then Lachesis tests it for like tensile strength. And then Atropos, the inevitable, who is death, has a pair of shears, and she cuts it off when the life is over. So again, like in the animated Hercules movie, that's the same kind of imagery that we're using here for that. There was a episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch where the fate the three fates show up and they are mean teenage girls in cheerleading costumes and they incredible (laughs) and they are when they spin they're like literally you have a tapestry of your life Mm -hmm. and Sabrina doesn't like something that happened in her tapestry and so she shows and tries to fix it but she just fucks up her tapestry and she's like oh no oh yeah that's how tapestries work (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and it's just they were like well you shouldn't have messed with something that you didn't know how to do it (laughs) So it sounds like a you problem. Now somebody's going to die. Isn't that fun? (laughs) That is fun. Yeah. I would love if the three fates were depicted as like a stitch and bitch circle. Yeah. That would be great. I would (laughs) love to be part of a stitch and bitch club with the three fates. I wouldn't. (laughs) Too much pressure. The three fates and Arachne and what other spinning themed? There's one from Mexico that I just read about, but I didn't tell it on the podcast. I would love to have a stitch and bitch club with all of the like. Yeah. The big weaver textiles themed <laughs> I figures mean, in mythology. All of them, because Athena technically is the weaver. That's fine. You want Athena and Arachne in the same stitch and bitch circle? Mm-hmm. What drama? <laughs> oh my god! They mostly bitch. They rarely stitch. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just uh, some context for who the three fates are. They are a character in this story, not a major character. This isn't like a story about the three fates, but just so that you have some context for what that is. The Three Fates. Also title of story. Not really what the story's about, but they're there. Okay. So, The Three Fates, this is a Macedonian story, originally published in Makedonski Narodni Umotvorci Vokniki, which is... Easy for you to say. Yeah, it's like ten volumes of Macedonian folklore by Marko Tsipenkov, mm-hmm. um, who was a Bulgarian Macedonian writer, I didn't realize Macedonia. When I think of Macedonia, I think of like Greece. Yeah. Macedonia is, I think, a little bit more on the eastern side of things. Mm. So it was like part of the Western Ottoman Empire at one point. So this author, Marko Tsepenkov, was considered a Bulgarian Macedonian person. He spoke Bulgarian. He also was like in an area that was at the time known as Macedonia. Yeah. Just a just a weird thing. I, my geography is bad. And so I didn't realize oh, that those were I like am, things that could potentially overlap. We but. know I'm bad at geography, so hey. we don't need <laughs> to go into it. Hey. <laughs> yes. But uh, he collected a lot of really cool Macedonian stories and published them uh, in a bunch of different places. And then in the 70s, they published 10 volumes of them. And some of them have been translated to English, but most of them haven't. So, hey, folklorists. Hey. If you're trying to do some translation work. <laughs> Chinga. Um, <laughs> You could translate the rest of them if you wanted to. Yeah. Could be fun. Could be nice. Could be. Could be fun and nice. But before you do that, I would like you to please tackle 1001 Nights because I would love a copy that isn't translated by a Nazi. <laughs> Yike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys. Real and fair. It's a real fucking bummer looking up the people who translated 1001 Nights. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. So, the three fates. There once was a poor man and he built a cottage on a mountain and... There he built a family. 
he had his wife and his he children. built a family? Yeah, you have to build it brick by brick. <laughs> oh my God. Every day. You have to maintain it. You have to check the mortar, Janie. <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> this is why my family keeps falling apart. <laughs> yeah, your family lives in a house of straw. <laughs> I have not built them very well. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Timmy doesn't have a leg. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he had one. It fell off. <laughs> So he builds this cottage and he builds a family. Uh, he marries his wife. They have children. They're still very, very poor. Mm. Um, Having children didn't make them richer? No. Believe it or not, no. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so crazy. Huh. Children are so lucrative usually. <laughs> oh, what if you, you had a kid named Luke and uh, their full name was Lucrative? <laughs> Could be funny. <laughs> wishful thinking. So this poor man has his cottage with his family on the mountain. One day, a rich man is traveling, and darkness falls, and he has not yet reached his destination, and he is worried about camping in the woods, because there could be robbers, and he's so rich. What yeah. if something happens? What if? To his money. <laughs> what if? What if? That's his babies. What? All those little monies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need something? Don't ask me to elaborate. You're the one telling the story. <laughs> I'm helping. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this rich man is riding by night falls. He's like, I've got to find someplace to stay for the night. He sees this little hut up on the mountain ahead and he rides up and he's like, okay, it's possible that these are like bandits in a house, but you know, it's better for me to, I guess, like try and see if this is someplace that that I can say rather than staying out in the forest where I'll definitely get burgled. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So he goes up to the house and he peeks in through the window and he sees inside this little family all sitting around a fire. And he's like, oh, thank God. It's a family home. I'm safe. So he knocks on the door. Yeah, right? I made a face. Not necessarily. That's rude to assume this family's not going to murder you. Yeah. So many serial killers. Have families. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Most of them, actually. (laughs) Most of them, actually. Most of the good ones had families because that was their cover. Yeah. So. 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 He knocks on the front door and the father of the family comes to the door and the rich man says, I am out here at night. I have nowhere to stay. Can I stay with you and your family tonight? And the father of the family is like, absolutely, please come in. We're more than happy to have you. I'm so sorry to say we don't actually have anything for dinner. Oh. We we don't have any food, so we can't offer you anything. But you are more than welcome to take one of the beds and stay the night and we'll be happy for your company. Mm-hmm. And the rich man is like, that is absolutely fine. I actually have a bunch of food with me and I'm happy to share. Nice. So he goes out to his horse and he brings in some food from his saddlebags and he shares it with the family. And they are so grateful because they have not been eating very consistently. Mm. So he eats dinner with this family and they're like, thank you so much for bringing food. Like you are a blessing to us. We would not have eaten tonight if not for you. So thank you. Uh, And he's like, no, of course, happy to help. And they're like, which would have been (laughs) kind of especially bad because we had a baby boy three days ago. This is like, the third night of having this baby boy. So we take your coming as as a good an omen of good luck. Yeah. Right? It's like this is maybe our maybe things are gonna get better for us this time. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. <laughs> what a bummer. And he's like, Oh yeah, I, I hope that they do. You know, I I wish luck to you and your family. Mm-hmm. And then they all kind of finish their food and they all lay down and he lays down in, in the bed. And As soon as he lays down, the thought occurs to him. He's like, this family is poor and desperate. Mm -hmm. And I have already shown that I have money. (laughs) 
Yes. And they're going to rob and murder me. (laughs) True. (laughs) So he lays awake and doesn't move because he's like, they are going to at any moment attack me and they're going to steal all of my money and I have to be ready. So he lies awake, which means that he's the only person in the house awake at midnight Mm -hmm. when the three fates come. Oh. They have come to determine the fate of the baby boy. Mm. Um, And the three of them gather around the baby in its cradle and speak in low tones. And he pretends to be asleep, but he listens in. And the first of the fates says, well, I mean, what should we write for this child? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it would be a kindness to say that the child lives for 40 days and then passes so that his family cannot afford to keep him. They don't need another mouth to feed. So we can write that this child dies in 40 days. And then the second of the fates says, well, there's no reason to give up so early. Why don't we write that this boy will grow up and marry the daughter of the rich man who's staying in the house right now? Oh. And they're like, that's a great idea. Let's definitely do that. And so they take (laughs) out the book of fate and they write This boy will become the rich man's son-in-law and will inherit all his property. And then they all shake hands and (laughs) nod and they're like, good job, good business. And they all leave. Yeah. The rich man is pretending to be asleep in his bed and he is livid. (laughs) Instantly, his his literal, his first thought is, oh, no, my money. His second thought is, I've got to kill this baby. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Whoop. So. (laughs) He just had confirmation physical confirmation that the gods exist yes he heard their decree and he thinks it's a good idea to try to fuck with it yeah (laughs) capitalists yeah so the rich man immediately he stays up all night long and he starts to plot what he's going to do to get rid of this baby and keep all of his dirty dirty money (laughs) in the morning The family wakes up and he prepares to leave and he thanks them for their kindness and their hospitality. And as he's packing up, a genius idea occurs to him. Mm -hmm. And he goes to them and he says, I I don't have any children of my own. Why don't you let me adopt your baby and I'll take care of him and he'll have a fine life. He'll have everything that he needs will be provided for him. And uh, no, weird. You know, I can, I can, I can promise you that he will, he will live prosperously with me. And the family's like, we're not going to, what kind of people would we be if we just gave you our baby? And he's yeah. like, well, y- your house is falling apart. You can't afford food. Ugh. So how about you give me the baby and I give you a hundred gold so you can go buy a house in the city and enough food to last the winter. And they're mm-hmm. like, and you would take care of him? And he's like, yes, <laughs> I would take care of him. Wink. <laughs> and they're like, why'd you wink? <laughs> Uh, and what they, does that mean? <laughs> and the mother and the father of the family discuss it. And as much as they don't want to let the baby boy go, they have no other choice. Yeah. Um, this is their best hope for their other kids. Capitalists. Capitalists. More like crapitalists. <laughs> yeah, more like crapitalists. More like crapitalists. Guys, ugh, are you hearing this? <laughs> Come on, crapitalists. <laughs> Fucking crapitalists. So finally they agree, and he gives them 100 gold, and he bundles up the baby, he gets on his horse, and he rides down the road towards home. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he is out of sight of the cottage, he's like, great, how do I kill this baby? (laughs) (laughs) How does one even kill a baby? (laughs) Yes. And he starts thinking about it. And he's like, I guess I could just like leave it. But then someone might find it. And I don't want that. I guess I could just like throw it against some rocks. But that feels bad. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I think that there's, I can hear like a stream. Maybe I can 
follow it until I get to like a waterfall and then like just throw it over the waterfall. I don't know. But like, what if, I don't know. What if he floats or something? I don't know about babies. (laughs) Uh, So he finally decides he is walking down the road and he sees a little cave that is hidden just off to the side of the path. And he decides that he is going to leave the baby in this little cave. And he looks at it and he's like, that's a bear cave. So there's a bear that lives there that's going to eat this baby. Um, So he takes the baby and he bowling ball rolls it into the cave, (laughs) gets back on his horse and rides home. What a good job, rich man. (laughs) Uh, uh, Killed that baby and it's not even lunch. (laughs) Lunch for something. Ah, lunch for a bear. Maybe a lunch for a bear. Maybe a lunch for a bear. Mm. So the baby rolls down into this long cave and it bumps against the lowest point of the cave, the back wall. Mm -hmm. And... Two little baby bear cubs who are just newborn. Yeah. Uh, They look around and they see this little baby in a bundle uh, (laughs) of like rags. So it looks like shaggy. Mm -hmm. It looks like shaggy. (laughs) (laughs) The baby smells like marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) This baby looks all like shaggy and ragged. It kind of looks like a baby bear cub. And so they like go up to it and they like sniff it with their noses and they like nuzzle it and push it around. And they start playing with this little baby bundle. (laughs) Uh, And then the mama bear comes home. And sees the two little bear cubs playing with this bundle. And she goes up to the bundle and is like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And she looks in and she sees a baby. And as, like, as this baby stops being rolled back and forth, it, like, wakes up and starts crying. Oh, this was, a, this was fine for it. This was fine. <laughs> <laughs> this baby wakes up and starts crying. And immediately she, like, the universal mother instinct, she's like, oh, this is a baby and I need to take care of it. Yeah. And so from then on, she raises this human baby as one of her cubs. I love these stories. Yeah. I love a good, I love a good, a a good bear boy story. Bear boys, wolf boys. I just, yeah, into it. Yeah. Yeah. Raised by beasts. Ape boys, like Tarzan. Like Tarzan. Like Tarzan even. Even. So she raises this little boy as one of her cubs. And... (laughs) Over the next few years, whispers spread throughout the town. People keep seeing this horrible little creature. (laughs) Pepper's the most horrible (laughs) little creature. People keep seeing this thing that looks like a boy, like a naked boy, like covered in dirt, just scrambling between the treetops. And they're like, what the (laughs) fuck is that? (laughs) It's funnier thinking he's going to grow up and marry this guy's daughter. (laughs) Mama Bear, like, teaches him to forage and everything like that um, for berries and climb trees. Climb trees. Catch and... salmon with his mouth. Yeah, exactly. Classic. Bear <laughs> shit. Classic bear boy. How to give really good hugs. Aww. <laughs> how, to, Aww. how to crash people's picnics. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He is baffled when people hang their food up high. He's like, What? How do I get that down? (laughs) You can climb trees. No, he never remembers that. No. So they start seeing this, like, wild boy in the woods. Mm -hmm. And when the boy is, you know, like, child-aged, this group of goat herds sees him, like, foraging in a berry patch. And they very quietly follow him back to the bear cave. Mm. And they're like, we've got to get this boy out of here before this bear eats him. (laughs) Because they're dumb. Because they're fucking dumb and can't mind their own business. Mind your fucking business is what I'm saying. Mind your fucking business. So the goat herds all hide outside of the bear cave and they wait for the mother bear to leave. And as she leaves, the bear boy 
leaves behind her and they burst out from the bushes and they grab him and they run away. <laughs> so they kidnapped him. <laughs> they stole him from his lovely home. From his lovely home. So they kidnap this boy <laughs> from his mom, who is a bear. Yeah, his mom. And they bring him back to town. And they get there and they're like, oh, wait, who should take care of this baby now? Because they suck. Because they suck. Because they suck. And they, like, talk about it amongst themselves for a little while. And then they remember that there's a woman in town who is a widow who has no children. And they're like, oh, she can take a baby. Rude. (laughs) So they give her this feral baby. He's feral. (laughs) There's no coming back from this. (laughs) This feral little boy. And she raises him to adulthood. Mm Mm-hmm. It says nothing else about, like, how he grows up or anything like that. They're just like, and then she keeps him until he's an adult. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ. So when he is an adult, his foster mother helps to find him an apprenticeship with a businessman in town. Mm-hmm. Um, very good position, honestly. Yeah. And he's kind of very lucky to have it. She introduces him to the businessman as Bear Boy, which is the name that she calls him <laughs> because of, you know, the bears. And he's and like, he's a boy. I'm sorry, what are his credentials? On the resume, it just says, gives good hug. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the boy wraps his arms around him. He's like, you're hired. <laughs> it's the best hug I've ever got. <laughs> so uh, Bear Boy goes to work for this businessman in town. He is doing really well, honestly, in this office for a while. Mm-hmm. Also, they say office. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, this this is translated from Bulgarian. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah. feels weird no, to be like, office. the bear boy works in an office The, w- the bear boy wears a little tie. <laughs> he has a little briefcase. <laughs> he doesn't wear pants, though. They had to get used to that. Yeah. And he re- his briefcase is filled with honey. <laughs> yeah, and berries, and it's drippy and sticky. <laughs> <laughs> bear boy is sticky in the office. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cited daily for workplace stickiness. <laughs> But gives the best hugs. Oh, the best hugs. Cited daily for harassment. <laughs> Can't do that in the office, bear and boy. And stickiness. <laughs> um, uh, so he's doing really well in his first, like, amount of time working for this businessman. But then one day, you know, the fates and all that. Yeah. The rich man who had deposited him in a cave. Yeah. Comes in to do business with the businessman. Uh-huh. The rich man comes in and Bear Boy's employer is like, go get some coffee for for the man here, (laughs) right? And Bear Boy's like, yes, absolutely. And he like goes over to the uh, Keurig. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to get a read on this story. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Uh, He's at the water cooler and he's like, growl, am I right? And they're like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Working hard or hardly bear. (laughs) What? You can't just replace words with bear. <laughs> working bear or barely work. Ah. <laughs> and they're like, you should not be working bear. You need to wear clothes, bear boy. <laughs> bear boy, put on pants. <laughs> <laughs> working bear or barely working is a hilarious <laughs> image. We need a t-shirt that says working bear or barely working. And it's like a bear in a little with shirt a tie. and tie. <laughs> Briefcase, he's got his feet kicked up on his desk. <laughs> And he's got, like, a hot coffee, and he's looking into, like, the point of view, like, (laughs) 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 So, Bear Boy goes over to the Keurig to get a cup of coffee for the rich man. Yeah. As you do. Sure. And the rich man leans into the businessman 
and is like, why do you call your intern bear boy? <laughs> and the business fan is like, well, it's actually a really funny story. It's hilarious. You're going to laugh. It's super funny. You're going to think um, this is so funny. <laughs> he was actually raised by bears. <laughs> they, like, he was a baby and he, I guess, got found by some bears and the bears raised him and then people kidnapped him and gave him to this lady who raised him to adulthood and now he's here and he works for me and he's my intern. <laughs> I love my bear boy. <laughs> I love my bear boy. <laughs> He's our mascot. <laughs> he eats all of the leftover sandwiches from the meeting. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Which on the one hand, like, we don't have to worry about it. But on the other hand, like, I was kind of looking forward to those leftovers. We've never had ants. <laughs> We've never had ants. That's not true. If we do, he eats them. We've had ants. They mo- We had an ant problem until Bear Boy <laughs> came to work for us. That's actually his job. <laughs> the ants come in on his briefcase and they leave on his briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> He runs a tight ship as R.E., that briefcase full of honey and covered in ants. Real management material. I love him. (laughs) And the rich man is like, oh, that's such an interesting story. That's so crazy. So wild. I can't believe a boy raised by bears. Crazy. Who could imagine? That's so wild. And in his head, he's like, I have to destroy him. Oh, my God. Um, he realizes that this baby that he rolled into a cave to be eaten by bears has survived and is now an adult man. And <laughs> Had the also, opposite effect of what he was going for. Yeah, the opposite. Oops. And also, he now has an adult daughter. Yeah, and Bear Boy probably fucks like an animal, so... <laughs> He's really got to get rid of him and fast! <laughs> Bear Boy's into some weird fucking shit! Everyone's into it! <laughs> <laughs> and he never wears pants, so we know what he's packing. <laughs> a briefcase full of honey. <laughs> and a giant dong. <laughs> Bear Boy's popular for a lot of reasons, Max, okay? Don't just limit him to his honey briefcase. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's late. It's late on a school night. <laughs> It's not that late. I'm not going to give you a pass for that it's one. It's <laughs> 7.30. <laughs> school night. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> so the rich man goes to Bear Boy's employer and is like, this might be a crazy question and feel free to say no, but I actually have a letter that I have to have delivered home to my wife. He's going to let Bear Boy get close to his house? Yeah. This guy is terrible at plans. Yeah. I think he should have been like, this might be crazy. Feel free to say no, but can I adopt Bear Boy? <laughs> you should fire Bear Boy <laughs> so I can adopt him as my son. <laughs> no, he's like, he's like, I have a letter that I have to have delivered home to my wife. Would you mind having Bear Boy go and deliver it for me? And the businessman is like, no, of course, happy to do it, you know? Yeah. He mostly just needs ants, so he's not busy. <laughs> We're looking for anything else for him to do in this office. <laughs> we keep him around for his personality and his huge wiener. <laughs> but, like, eventually people are going to ask why he's working here. Yeah, have him do the mail. <laughs> um, and so the rich man quickly pens a letter. Mm-hmm. To his wife, and he gives it to Bear Boy and gives Bear Boy instructions for how to get to his house. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Please go home, my home, to my home, and deliver this to my wife. <laughs> this 
This is foreshadowing. <laughs> Please go to my home and give this to my wife. And Bear Boy is like, you got it, sir. And he <laughs> takes off running. <laughs> Nude as the day he was born. <laughs> He puts the letter in his briefcase full of money. It's ruined. <laughs> ruined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> we like him. It's just, we haven't found his thing yet. You know? His thing in the office. <sighs> I mean, we found his thing in the office. <laughs> We've had to file several reports about it. <laughs> Bear, we were good. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so Bear Boy <laughs> takes off and he finally gets to the rich man's house and he knocks on the door and he says, Hello, letter for wife. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> This is letters addressed to wife. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, this letter just says honey. <laughs> so I ate it. <laughs> I think I got the gist of it though. <laughs> Bear Boy's a terrible mailman. Well, that's not his job. He eats ants. It's <laughs> not his fault he was never trained at mail. <laughs> <sighs> a lack of advancement opportunities for Bear Boy in the workplace. <laughs> I'm like having an asthma. <laughs> I don't think this story is supposed to be as funny as this. We've made it very funny. Good we are us. so funny. <laughs> Good for us. Oh. Um, so Bear Boy knocks on the door and he says, hello, letter for wife. And a woman answers the door. But it's not wife. It's... <gasps> daughter what? of the rich man. How embarrassing. I know. And he's like, hello, are you wife? And she's like, I don't know, am I? <laughs> no, I'm Samantha. <laughs> um, and he's like, I have a letter for the lady of the house. And she's like, oh, that's my mother. Um, she's not home right now, so I can take the letter. And he's like, okay, great. Thank you so much. And he hands her the letter. It's super sticky. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what? <laughs> you know what? She'll say this. You know, he's in charge of eating all the ants. <laughs> and she'll say, you can't spell Samantha. <laughs> Without. You're in timeout. <laughs> Ant. <laughs> she doesn't know that his job is eating the ants. I think she could probably infer. <laughs> he's wearing... He's wearing an Oxford shirt with a tie, no pants, and he yeah. has a name tag that says Bear Boy, <laughs> professional <laughs> ant eater. <laughs> so she's like, let me just make sure that this isn't something urgent. And so she goes over and she opens up the letter mm -hmm. and she reads it. And the letter says, mm -hmm. dearest my wife. Mine wife. <laughs> uh, please, mm -hmm. by any means necessary... Kill the bearer of this letter. Bearer. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
This man has stolen from us. He has left us with virtually nothing. We only have one chance. You have to kill him. I don't care how you do it. Kill him. Destroy him. Get rid of him right now. I know this sounds crazy. Don't even think about it. Just (laughs) murder him right now. Love, husband. (laughs) Wow. Their pet names are abysmal. (laughs) (laughs) And so the daughter reads this letter and immediately is filled with hatred for her father because from knowing bear boy for all of 30 seconds she's like he would never there's no way that this this guy can steal anything (laughs) he's never ever done any crime (laughs) he can't do anything public indecency (laughs) and that's like a crime of society you know which is like yeah you know it's not it's not a moral wrong it's just something that society has decided is inappropriate just like judging his culture yeah honestly bears wear oxford shirts and little ties and no pants everyone knows that (laughs) oh and he definitely wears those little bare feet shoes with the toes yeah with the toes i can't imagine a worse outfit He's already compromised by changing his picnic basket to a briefcase. (laughs) What more do you want from Bear Boy? (laughs) He's trying his hardest to assimilate. (laughs) So she's like, I'm not going to let my father do this. Also, I love him, Daddy. (laughs) So she takes the note. She rips it up. She burns it. And she pens a new letter. Mm -hmm. And the new letter says... Dearest mine wife, Mm -hmm. the man bearing this letter is the finest and most intelligent man I have ever met. Mm. We must immediately, immediately build him a house on our property. Also, he should be engaged to our daughter. Arrange it. How far away is the office? (laughs) (laughs) Unclear. He's like, they have to get married. ASAP. Love your husband. Mm-hmm. And so she seals up the letter and she gives it to Bear Boy and she's like, you can just give this to my mom when she gets here, which is great timing because her mom gets home and Bear Boy's like, letter for wife. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and she opens the letter and it says, you know, build him a house, marry him to our daughter. And she's like, well, <laughs> boss man says. <laughs> it's wild that she would have murdered him. <laughs> she needs to fucking get her own agency. Maybe, you know? But she's like, oh, well, congratulations. This note says that you guys can get married. And Bear Boy's like, what? That's such good news. And the daughter's like, oh, my God, that's so crazy. Bear Boy's like, I have a girlfriend. (laughs) I'm actually gay. This is coming out of nowhere. And I'm engaged to a pretty little brown bear in the forest. (laughs) So, no, thank you. (laughs) Oh, that's really good. Yeah. (laughs) So the mother Mm -hmm. immediately sets to work building a house and preparing for a wedding. Mm -hmm. Time passes. Three or four months passes. And then the rich man comes home. So, like, not close. Yeah. The village is not close to their house. Their boy really ran a long way. Yeah, like 48 miles, maybe? Good thing he had those weird little shoes with the toes. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, three or four months later, the rich man finally comes back from his business Mm -hmm. in town. And he comes home and he's like, I can't wait to hear how my wife murdered that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Because he never came back. Yeah. 
So he goes to the house, and as he's going in, he sees that there's another house. He's like, what the fuck? Goes in the house, and he's like, wife, why is there another house here? And she's like, oh, I did as you asked. And he's like, what exactly did I ask? And she's like, well, you told me to build a house for Bear Boy. And he's like, oh, I did. I surely did. Mm Mm-hmm. What else did I ask you to do? And she's like, well, I mean, the wedding is coming up. It's next week. Pretty exciting. And he's like, of who and who? She's like, your daughter to Bear Boy, like you said, in the letter. And he's like, oh, good. That's what I wanted. Wow. And immediately he's like, I've got to come up with another plan. He has to adopt Bear Boy so that technically Bear Boy and his daughter are siblings and they can't get married. They can't get married? Yeah, because you're my son by law. By law. Not in law. Ah. (laughs) He basically could have figured this out if he had just actually adopted Bear Boy. Mm-hmm. And they would have been siblings. Yeah. <sighs> Stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> Goddamn maroon. Now look what's happening. Your daughter's getting tossed around like a pizza with by a feral what? boy with a giant <laughs> dick. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> tossed around like a pizza. Is that supposed to sound like sexual? <laughs> you know, how you, you get tossed around like a pizza. No. <laughs> He's like, pepperoni. <laughs> I'm tired. So late. So mm-hmm. late on a school It's night. like 7.40. <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, my God. So immediately the rich man is like, all right, I've got to come up with another plan. So the next morning he goes out to his shepherd, who is by the sheep pens, and he tells the man, first of all, start digging a grave. And the shepherd's like, that's not my job. <laughs> I took care of the sheep. And he's like, start it now. And the shepherd's like, all right. He's like, great. Now, while you're doing that, what? I need you to commit murder. While he's digging a grave? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, I need you to take care of someone. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. I need you to do a murder for me really quickly. A young man is going to come tomorrow morning and he's going to ask you for a ram to roast. And if a young man comes and says, can I have a a ram to roast? Mm -hmm. You kill him and then you put him in the grave and you never speak of it again. And then I'll set you up for life. You can retire. I'm so rich. And the shepherd's like, well, sure thing, boss, I guess. So the rich man goes home and he tells his wife to start preparing a big feast for the next day mm-hmm. um, to celebrate the engage- belatedly celebrate the engagement of Bear Boy to his daughter. What if anyone else is also having a party? <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a faux pas. Faux pas. Faux pas. Oh. <laughs> 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 He goes back home. His wife starts to plan this big feast for the following day. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and you should have Bear Boy go and get a ram to roast from the shepherd. Mm -hmm. First thing tomorrow morning, send him out to get a ram. We'll roast it for the dinner. It'll be great. And she's like, that sounds delicious. I'll absolutely do that. Yeah. And then he goes off to, I don't know. Count his money? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Go dive in his gold coin pool. His little bathtub full of coins like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. Capitalists. (laughs) Crapitalists. <laughs> More like quackitalists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so his wife prepares this meal all day. Um, and the next morning she goes to wake Bear Boy up to go and fetch the ram from mm. the shepherd. And she like knocks on the door to his room and she like creaks the door open. And Bear Boy is in there asleep in his bed with their daughter. Oh. And she's like, 
They look so peaceful. I'm sorry. Are they allowed to sleep? They're not married yet. I guess they are. <laughs> what? Yeah, I guess they're allowed. Okay. Um, she sees them like curled up in each other's arms and they look so, so peaceful. Like mm-hmm. she's just cradling his head on her chest and like, oh, and her, their mom, her mom just like stands in the door for a second and is like, I can't. Like they just look so sweet and like they're, yeah. n- they're about to be newlyweds. And- That's so weird that she thinks this is fine. Yeah. I'm scandalized. <laughs> and she's like, I'll just I'll just have someone else get the ram. So she closes the door very quietly. And she goes and gets her son. And she's like, you have to go get a ram from the shepherd. And her son's like, sure thing, mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this character who we haven't seen up until now. <laughs> oh, boy. I sure do love getting rams. <laughs> <laughs> she does it specifically. She's like... My son is much better at going to the shepherds and getting a ram than Bear Boy would be. Like, he's got a lot of practice. It'll be fine. He'll just take care of it. Her son, my son keeps telling me he loves getting rammed. So, <laughs> so I'm Get sure your be, mind out of the gutter. I'm sure he'll be fine with this task. <laughs> you know who I'm imagining is Bear Boy? Who? Guess. She opens the door and she's so charmed by how sweet and peaceful he looks when he's sleeping. And she's like, I can't do it. And everybody Dev loves him as Dev Patel. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just Dev Patel. All right. It's Dev Patel, I guess. But he's wearing an Oxford shirt with a tie and no pants. <laughs> and barefoot shoes. Yeah. And he's so sticky. <laughs> Whew. A24 is going to direct this movie. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really dark. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so the sun's going to go get rammed. Yeah, the sun's going to go get rammed by the shepherd. As he does. <laughs> as he does. Sure. <laughs> the shepherd really should recognize him by now. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes out to the sheep pens and he goes to the shepherd and he says, hello, I would like a ram to roast. And the shepherd is like, great, I'll go get that. And then he comes back and murders him. No. It doesn't say how. I imagine with a gun. <laughs> with a gun <laughs> brings out a hammer <laughs> jesus uh murders the son of the rich man puts him in the grave covers him up never speaks of it again yeah right the rich man gets up late in the morning because he doesn't have anything to do yeah i hate him yeah he's the worst his wife has to get up early to go wake up bear boy to go do a thing that he was already at the place to do the thing yesterday yeah why well because he had a he had a nefarious plan no i know but like he should know at this point that Lazy. his plans don't work. <laughs> yeah. So. Be better. Um, so the rich man wakes up and is like, thank goodness I'm finally free of that nasty nude bear boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes downstairs to his wife where she is in the kitchen. He's like, hello, wonderful, beautiful wife. What a beautiful day it is. So has bear boy come back with the ram yet? And she's like, no, he hasn't. And he's like, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> and she's like, actually, I... Didn't send him. I sent our son because um, Bear Boy was sleeping and he just looked so sweet. And I didn't want to. So I just sent our son to do it because our, our son is better at getting ran by the shepherd. <laughs> our son loves getting ran by the shepherd. I he talks about it him. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's like, so I just, I sent him. So he should be back any minute now. And the rich man is like, oh, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> oh, great. No, for sure. He will be back any minute. Uh, and he runs out to the shepherd and he's like, please tell me that you didn't follow my instructions. And the shepherd's like, you bet I did, boss. <laughs> to the letter. That boy is dead kilt and buried. <laughs> 
And the rich man is like, great, bravo, well done, thank you so much. (laughs) And just goes home. (laughs) So at this point, he is like walking back to his house. He curses the fates. He's like... It's not their fault. Well, he says that it is. He's like, it's their fault that I have to do all of this. And like those jealous bitches (laughs) come after all my money for this poor guy or whatever. Yeah. He gets home and he begins to concoct another evil plan. No. Can you guess what it is? Okay. He's going to kill his daughter. No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) An evil plan. (laughs) End it all. (laughs) No. He hires an assassin. He already tried that. Like an actual assassin. Oh, okay. He hires an, an actual assassin for an ungodly amount of money. And the instructions that he gives to the assassin are this. He says, you will see a young man and his young wife. They will come down the road. They will pass a certain spot on their way to this location on this day at this time. Mm-hmm. You will shoot the man dead. Mm-hmm. This is your task. And then he goes to his wife and he says, you know, we should really like take the kids out to celebrate. Right. Hmm. Uh, let's go have dinner in town and, you know, we'll just, we'll just have a really nice dinner, just the four of us, you know. And his wife is like, oh, honey, that sounds like an amazing idea. And he's like, and you know what else? Let's send them early so that they can have a little bit of alone time, you know, like there's a little bit of alone time at the restaurant. That'll be nice. That'll be romantic for them. You know, <laughs> going to the Olive we'll Garden. cover the tab and everything. And, and the wife is like, oh, my God, that's such a great idea. They would love that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So he's like, so they'll go first and then we'll follow later and meet them at the restaurant. Yeah. Table for four. <laughs> Whole thing. At the Olive Garden. At the Olive Garden. It's definitely the Olive Garden. She hasn't asked where their son is. Mm. Maybe she's used to him being out <laughs> a lot, mm. getting rammed by the shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new for her. She's actually pretty progressive. She let her daughter, like, sleep with this guy before they were married, and she lets her son just go out and do whatever the fuck he wants with the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good okay. for her. Yeah, good for her. So... The day arrives for their fancy dinner, and Bear Boy and his new wife, I guess they got married at some point. Bear Girl. Bear Girl. Bear Girls. <laughs> Mrs. Bear Boy. Attorney <laughs> <laughs> They start walking into town towards the restaurant. But it's like late afternoon, and it is now summer. Um, so it gets really hot, and the two of them are kind of like walking down the road, and they're like bumping into each other and like playing (laughs) and he's like i'm hot do you want to sit down for a second and she's like yeah and they like are walking past this big field that has all these huge trees in it Mm -hmm. and they go and they rest underneath one of the trees for a little bit uh and they just hang out and they like sit in the shade on this hot day until both of them kind of fall asleep under a tree Mm -hmm. time passes yeah and the two of them awake to the sound of a gunshot oh no oh no They both startle awake. They look at each other and they run towards the road to see what's happened. Uh, because it sounds like, it doesn't sound like something like a gun being fired in the air. It sounds like a gun hitting something. Right? Yeah. Um, so they run towards the road and they see her mother mm-hmm. who is hunched over her father's body sobbing. Um, and her father has been shot dead in the road. Yeah. And... The mother is just sobbing and inconsolable and everything. And the daughter runs up and she's like, oh, my God, what happened? And the mother is like, I don't know. Like, he was just shot. I don't know what happened. And the daughter looks around and she puts the pieces together and she says, well, he dug a grave for Bear Boy, but fell into it himself. Woo! And then she tells her mother all about the first letter, letter that her father had written home. 
oh, to fuck. try and get Bear Boy killed. And she was like, so he's been trying to get him killed this whole time. And this is definitely him trying to get my husband killed. Yeah. So honestly, fuck him. And her mom's like, yeah, I mean, honestly, fuck him. I'm not even sad, actually. I actually, just not even sad. What an asshole. fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> and the three of them go off to their very fancy dinner together. And the fates were right all along. Well, they really didn't like the brother either, did they? No. <laughs> Bear Boy inherited all of the rich man's property, and he married his daughter, and they all lived happily ever after. The mm. end. The meek shall inherit the earth. <laughs> <laughs> you like that good no <laughs> i'm it's fine two stars <laughs> okay that's fair that's an interesting story i liked that yeah him being raised by bears wasn't really a thing it really wasn't except that he his name was bear boy yeah wow yeah that really never came into play not even a little i mean except like his briefcase full of honey would have been hard to explain if he hadn't it, been raised by bears he but. could have been picked up by hunters you know yeah like the hunters could have heard him crying in the cave and went and got him but nope nope <laughs> I like the I like it though. It added a little bit of flavor. A little bit of spice. Yeah. Um good job, Max. Thanks. Good job, Janie. I did a really good job of uh listening to that story. You did a great job. I did not. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> this podcast could just be a social experiment where you have to tell me stories and I just talk through it. <laughs> That could be what we've been doing this whole time, like your own personal Truman show. What do you think? I'm flattered. No, oh, cool. Okay. Uh, let's Thanks take a for little... inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> let's take a little break. Let's do it. Okay, and we'll come back for my tale. Okay, bye. Not bye. Okay, Janie. Max. Okay. So I meant to do this story for the bonus episode, which we recorded yesterday, Mm -hmm. right? So that way I wouldn't be doing two stories from the book Fearsome Fairies Haunting Tales of the Fae in a row for the main podcast. But I got a little confused yesterday. (laughs) I switched (laughs) up my tales and I did the one I was going to do today for the bonus episode and this one. So here we are again. (laughs) Well, <laughs> I went back to Fearsome Fairies, Haunting Tales of the Fae, which I fucking love this book. I am just the biggest fan. It's up on our bookshop.org if you want to purchase it. It is fantastic. Good book. This one is a story by Algernon Blackwood. Oh, why do I recognize that name? Okay, so he is a writer. This was written in 1946. He's like kind of a prolific spooky story writer. And I specifically Algernon Blackwood is kind of referenced a lot in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Hmm. You know, um, he's like oh, that like kind a of Blackwood House. Yes, yeah. And he's kind of that sort of vibe. Like he's kind of like old timey, rich English, spooky countryside haunted by fae and like equinox hmm. stuff. Like he's really fucking cool. I'll talk about him in a tiny bit. I'm not going to go super into him because I didn't do a deep dive into Algernon Blackwood, but he was a pretty fantastic person. I always get him confused with Nathaniel Hawthorne, I think. For some reason, those two ne- those two names just read the same Real different vibes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but like Nathaniel yeah. Hawthorne, Algernon Blackwood, both, they feel English. the same. Yeah. Those are both very like flowery English names. Yeah. Like spooky wooden names. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So this story is called The Trod by mm. Algernon Blackwood, written in 1946. Is that a tree god? 
The trod. <laughs> okay. A young man. Is it a tree god? It's not. <laughs> I think it's the way you walk. Uh, a young man. Oh, named- trudging. To trod. To trudge. It's not. But yeah, sure. <laughs> Ready? The slow, defeated walk of a man who has lost everything. It's from uh, a nice tale. Mm. To trudge. To trudge. My lord. Oh, we should watch that tonight. It's really good. I love that movie. Okay. Can I begin? <laughs> now! To trudge! <laughs> okay, now you can go. Gild the lily! <laughs> now you can you go. go! I knew it! <laughs> if there was one thing I know is that no, I cannot go. <laughs> You're still thinking about a night's tale. <laughs> in Greece. <laughs> I'm going to drink my tea for a second. When I was in high school, I memorized all of his monologues mm. just for fun. I wasn't an actor or anything. It was just for fun. Yeah. He has really fucking good ones. Oh, God. I had such a crush on Paul Bettany. I kind of still do. Did you know Paul Bettany and his wife, Jennifer Connelly? Do you know how they... This is your... Uh, this is another one of your v- Viggo Mortensen breaking his toe on the <laughs> Shut helmet. The fuck up. This is you every time Paul Bettany comes up. But tell the listener because they might not know. Paul Bettany is married to actress Jennifer Connelly, who <sighs> you will know from Labyrinth and... Probably other stuff. Requiem for a dream. Sure. Yeah. They got married in 2001 or two. Mm-hmm. They had worked together on one project prior to that. And Paul Bettany had the biggest crush on Jennifer Connelly. And when 9-11 happened, he was in New York and he was like, oh, I could have just died. Yeah. So he, he was like, I've got to change everything about my life and pursue happiness. And so he cold called Jennifer Connelly and was like, hey, do you want to go on a date? <laughs> <laughs> and then they got married. And then they got married. Just like his celebrity crush. I heard he was like he like went to his agent and was like, "Can I get Jennifer Connelly's number?" <laughs> I thought I had heard this could be wrong. I had heard that he didn't ask her on a date. He called her up and was like, "Marry me." Maybe. And she was like, "Okay," because <laughs> she was also really freaked out by nine eleven. <laughs> Entirely possible. I don't remember the details. I just love. I love the idea of a celebrity oh, it's really shooting good. their shot with their celebrity crush. Yeah. Aw. And also, I mean, there was nobody more iconic than Jennifer Connelly. Oh, my God. Good they, Lord. Uh, you know, oh, my God. They, I, I was thinking about, like, what, like, famous power couple they would be just based on, like, their well, they're careers famous. and their <laughs> appearances and stuff like that. Like, I, I'm thinking in fiction. Oh, okay. They would be a really good oh. Arthur and Guinevere. Oh, they would be so good. So good. Who would be their Lancelot? Mm. I know Jennifer Connelly's in the TV show now. Heath Ledger Ugh. would have been a really good Lancelot. Owie. To their ow, Arthur and Guinevere. Ow, ow, stop. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And Shannon Sossamon would have been Morgana. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Ow. <laughs> All right. The Trod by Algernon Blackwood. <laughs> A young man named Norman was riding in one of the newest streamlined expresses towards the north. He's in a train. A train. A train. He had been invited to the house of Sir Hiram Digby for a weekend of hunting grouse at his massive estate at Greystones, one of the best moors in England. So, Richie oh, one Rich, of the best moors. He's like one of the better moors the in England. The finest swamps in all of England. I wouldn't say it's number one, but it certainly isn't number ten. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Richie Rich, he's going to go do some rich English stuff. Yeah. Norman was lucky to have been invited at all, and he knew this. He had met Sir Hiram a couple of times before at, like, smaller shooting events. Norman 
described himself as kind of like a born sportsman. Like he was kind of wealthy and he had grown up shooting. It was his favorite thing to do. And so he'd go to these events. But he wasn't the best shot at any of these. He was like average, you know, like he had a good time (laughs) and Mm -hmm. he got along with people. But he knew that he wasn't like so amazing that you had to know him. And he also knew that there was a lot of other people who were better than he was there. They were richer, they were cooler, they were hotter, they had better cars. Like, they were just better than him. And so he was like, I really would have never been invited to this shooting event at all if it hadn't have been for Sir Hiram's niece, Diana Travers, which is a fantastic name. That's really good. His whole life. This feels very Clue, kind of? Like the names? Oh, Yeah. yeah, 100%. So his whole life, Norman had felt like something was off about himself. He was, quote, well-born, rich, sporting, and all the rest, but yet he did not belong to his time in certain ways. Mm. He loved hanging out with friends and drinking and having a good time, but it would always come to a point in the night when it just suddenly stopped being fun and he just felt bored and dissatisfied. Oh, he's got depression. This is just depression. (laughs) And he doesn't know what it is. He couldn't explain it, but something was always missing. He should have been born at a time where they have Prozac. (laughs) Right? So this is his thoughts. Quote, Were they things of the spirit? He could not say. Wild pagan things belonging to an older day, he knew not. They were of unspeakable loveliness and power, drawing him away from ordinary modern life. That he knew. He could not define them to himself, much less speak of them to others. But then he met Diana Travers. Oh, this also feels like a secret history. It does, a little bit. It has the same sort of, like old money vibes like the the aesthetics you Uh, know what colors classics yeah like yes old bookshelves and Mm. diana travers sounds like a character from a secret history history (laughs) norman immediately knew on instinct that diana would know exactly how he felt he was like this person is gonna get me They had first met at a dance in town. At first, the dance had been boring, but after being introduced to Diana, he had suddenly felt happy and enchanted and satisfied. (laughs) It was not exactly love at first sight. Diana wasn't wildly beautiful. She was tall, fair-haired, radiant, but she wasn't, like, the prettiest girl in the room. Like, people weren't, like, falling over herself to go talk to her. (laughs) And he wasn't suddenly overcome with lust, but, quote, the old conviction, rather, that there lay concealed in her the same nameless, mysterious longings that lay also in himself. The this terrible- is hot. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. This is hot. I am constantly just looking for someone who experiences <laughs> the same demons as the me. Same mysterious longings. <laughs> the old and terrible power that drew him from his humankind towards unknown other things. In other words, she wasn't like other girls, and he wasn't like other boys. <laughs> they right. were worse than everyone All else. All right. <laughs> they had depression. <laughs> <laughs> so that night, they had talked for a long time out on a balcony together, and the conversation was, like, ordinary. It wasn't like, oh, my God, like, we've known each other forever. They were being polite, and they were being appropriate for the time period and where they were. But he described it as they just clicked. Like, everything she said, he was like, yep. Yeah, no, I I don't even care what the words you're saying. I just, yeah, sure, I will agree with anything. And she's like, I love this, <laughs> actually. <laughs> they met several times after that, and every time the same feeling arose in him, like he was with his person. And once they had run into each other by chance 
And they just, he was like, are you walking? I'll walk with you. And they had walked for over an hour, which was when she had like really begun to speak freely because there wasn't other people like around them listening. And he was just like, oh my God, she's wonderful. Everything Mm -hmm. she, like he was just staring at her movements and how excited she got about things. And like, she was, oh God, he's just, he's fucking falling in love. He realized at that point that she was spontaneous and funny and just really, really charming. And she admitted at that point, she's like, I hate London. You would really like it at my uncle's place in Essex. And she's telling him all about the beautiful marshes there and the sea and how she would go duck flighting in twilight with her uncle. And the amount of times my autocrat tried to change that to duck fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Duck fighting? Duck flighting. I think that's just when you throw a rock and ducks fly. (laughs) I'm not sure. Hmm. And then she said, and things, you know, may happen. And then like (laughs) went away. And at that point, he had been watching her movements while she spoke. And then he, like, almost missed that last part because he was thinking, like, Diana's a really good name for her. Like, that's the <laughs> huntress. Like, the huntress, like, she's all about nature and she's all about being on the marshes and what co- what sort of things. What, what? what, Sorry, what sort wait, of things what? could happen? What'd you say? <laughs> murder most foul. Most foul. We're going to murder most of the foul on the property. 100%. Ducks, chickens, whatever. At the grass Peasants. Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> So now he was on a train going to her uncle's mansion, and he realized that she knew about the thoughts and feelings that had haunted him his whole life, and it struck him that she probably has experienced them too, and that she might be able to explain them to him. He didn't know why, but he knew this was true, like just sitting on the train thinking about her, and he's like, that's why I'm going there. She's going to tell me something really, really important. And that's the only reason. (laughs) That's the only reason. I'm not interested in any other kind of stuff. (laughs) Who am I if not somebody excited for whatever the fuck she's going to (laughs) say? I love mysteries and facts. I like them. Okay, so the train stopped and a car was waiting to bring him to the estate. They had to drive across the countryside through hills and like wild landscape where black-faced sheep were strung occasionally across the road. I know the cutest ones. And he was like amazed because this land is like almost completely uninhabited. Like every once in a while, they'll see like a farmhouse or something. And at one point they describe seeing some sheep and then like a bearded shepherd dog that was like following them. And then it was all misty over the moors. And so the dog just like looked at them for a second and then disappeared into the mist yeah like so this is the landscape he's in and he's like this is spooky (laughs) i love a good english more horror yes like a woman in black kind of situation yes the moors are so fucking scary Or that's the entire plot basically of wuthering heights Mm. is hearing the ghost of a woman out on the moors and then the wild thing and really good crimson peak yeah So eventually, he leaned forward to talk to the chauffeur, who was, like, delighted somebody wanted to talk to him. And because Norman's, (laughs) like, a nice guy. He just genuinely is. And he's also very curious. He just wants to hear people talk. And so he's like, hey, do many people live around here? And the guy was like, no, not at all. Like, I'm from the South. I'm not even from here. And it's such a nice, like, reprieve for me to get to, like, someplace quiet for a little while. And so as they were talking, they passed like a couple of farmhouses, right? And Norman noticed that every single one of the houses, because they were spread out, but every one of them had a large cross carved over the doors. Ooh. And some of... Ooh. Ooh, is this a- <laughs> and even some of the gates that led from the roads into the fields had crosses. <laughs> Max is so excited. I don't think... It, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew sign language. You can say it into the mic. They won't care. <laughs> Is this a spooky vampire story? It's not. I'm Aww. very sorry. I knew you were thinking about vampires. <laughs> vampires. Vampires. What do you think the sign for vampire would be? Just 
We that's the sign for snake though. We just <laughs> we both did the sign for snake, so I don't know. Snake's like this. Max is doing a widow's peak and little things with her other hand. <laughs> Perhaps we'll have to look it up later. Maybe it's like <laughs> Ooh, two fingers to the neck. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. I bet it is. Mm, could be. We're gonna Should look be. it up. We're not gonna ask you guys to, to, to describe sign language to us. No, don't do it now. <laughs> no, it's too late. Okay. <laughs> it is. Mm. <laughs> Max got it. It's two fingers to the neck, like a vampire bite. V shape formed by extended index and middle fingers on primary hand taps neck once. Once. It's hard not to do it twice. I know it's really hard <laughs> not to do it twice. This is not great for an audio medium, but yeah. here we are. That's how you do vampire, guys. That's fun. Okay, so as he's noticing the crosses over the doors, he asks the driver, like, hey, is everyone here Catholic? Is that why I'm seeing all these crosses? <laughs> and the driver's like, no, uh, people around here are more likely heathens than Catholics. So, I mean, there's, like, they are so, kind of, they're, like, wild out here. And I Norman, live in this story. <laughs> right, right. And Norman's like, yeah, but they all have crosses over their doors. How heathen could they be? And at this point, the driver kind of starts getting a little, like, uncomfortable. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I could talk too much and then get fired, you know, like for saying weird things. So don't worry about it. <laughs> and um, yeah, Norman's like, I really want to know everything about what you're thinking. <laughs> like, I want to live in your mind right now. Thank you. So Norman kind of like just casually keeps asking him questions and like chatting with him kind of friendly. And eventually the guy tells him like, well, okay, I can't be sure, but because I've only worked here for like part of the year and the rest of the year I go back to the South. So like, I'm only here for this kind of year kind of. But I was told that they carve the crosses to protect themselves. And Norman's like, protect themselves from what? Vampires. Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, quote, that's more than I can say. I've heard of a haunted house before now, but never a haunted countryside. Yet that's what they believe, I take it. It's all haunted, sir, everywhere. It's the devil of a job to get any of them to turn out after dark, as I know well. And even in the daytime, they won't stir far for, without a crucifix hung around their neck. Even the men won't. So Norman had a feeling this man really wanted to talk to him about it more. He was like, oh, this guy is like dying to tell me these spooky tales. And he's like, so tell me more about that, though. <laughs> and so eventually he's like slowly getting this man who's just dying to talk to him about it. But nobody wants to hear about it. Everyone's too rich and proper. And Norman's like, tell me the spooky tale, guy. Doesn't know his name. He's like, I won't tell anyone. I'm not going to get you fired. I want to know. So the chauffeur told him. There's a funny sort of road, or track rather, you may be seeing out shooting. It leads across the moor, and no man or woman will set foot on it to save their lives, not even in daytime, let alone at night. The track was called the trod. Seems like they could have just called it the track. And it was almost too lovely to look at and stay sane. Ooh. So Norman started thinking about Diana, and he was like, I wonder if she knows about this, like, fairy-ridden path. Because he's thinking, like, I've heard stories of, like, like, this in Ireland, but not really a lot of them here in England. Like, especially in this part of the land, they seem to be a little bit more, like, serious. Yeah. So it's really weird that everybody in this town is so intense about this. According to the driver, at least, they are. And so he asks the driver about her. He's like, do you... People in the house that I'm going to, they know about that? And the driver's like, oh, absolutely. He said that Diana's mother, Sir Hiram's sister, had been lost on the moors some years ago and was never found. And the locals believed that she had been carried off, but not against her will. They say that she had wanted to go. 
So now Diana was back here for the first time since it happened. This was the first year they had allowed her to come back at this point. And Sir Hiram was hoping being here at this time on the equinox, which was when her mother had disappeared and when people were most superstitious about the trod. He's like, being here this time, maybe it'll cure her. They said that she had the same affliction her mother had. She was a little unbalanced. <laughs> the vibes of the story are immaculate. So good, dude. <laughs> so Norman asked if other people had disappeared here, and the driver said yes, mostly children. But the people didn't speak of it really and rarely got the police involved. They were like, oh, they got lost on the moors, and then they would just never talk about it again. They That's wouldn't. So scary. They really wouldn't search for them at this point. That's so scary. The it moors is. are so scary. They I, are scary. I've been on the English moors before, mm. and the wild thing about them is how fucking quiet they are. Mm. Like it, it, they dampen sound. You can yell, yeah. and people can only hear you ten feet away. Like so, it's that is so, so scary because the earth is like so porous and wet, and yeah. then there's always this thick fog and there is all these like low-lying plants no. it would be it is so, so quiet it feels like you have like blankets over your ears that would be such a good environment to record a podcast <laughs> get a life <laughs> no uh they're so fucking scary podcast in the moors guys the moors. <laughs> be there be square so he asked the driver if he had ever had any experiences and the man told him that his room's where he stayed when he was working here were in the old farmhouse about a quarter mile from the lodge and he could see the moor from his bedroom window. So like where Hiram is, is right on this. And he said sometimes, especially at this time of year, he could see lights moving in a wavering line, sort of dancing and going in and out of the, like the fog. Mm. And he said, I used to think it was just marsh gas. Like this is what we call marsh gas. Like these little lights that were going around. Like, yeah. It happens kind of a lot. He says, but he knows better now. The natives told him, quote, it was the gay people changing their <laughs> hunting ground. <laughs> All right. So this is where our maturity is really going to be fucking tested, Max, you and I. <laughs> These gays, they're trying to kill me. <laughs> the gays out there with their dancing lights. <laughs> we failed already. We failed. Um, so just a quick note. This, this is a trans-dimensional portal that connects England to Fire Island. <laughs> okay, so just, we need to have a quick note. I, we probably don't need it. You guys are very intelligent. You guys know. But there are many names for the Fae. My grandmother called them the little people. At one point, they called them little people in here, too. And there's, like, the Fae and... The Fair Folk. The Fair Folk. The wee Folk. Yes. And in this story, they call them the gay people. <laughs> so the gays <laughs> uh, whenever they say the gay people <laughs> they cross themselves while doing it because you know <laughs> the gays the gays <laughs> aren't good christians <laughs> good lord oh my god okay <laughs> norman said quote the gay I'm, people the sorry. fellow called them that <laughs> i'm so sorry mm -hmm. i am picturing gay g-a-e like how you spell fae <laughs> Oh, <laughs> somebody change your name in Discord to the gay fae. <laughs> the really gay good. people. The gay people. It's not. It's just G-A-Y. Okay, so Norman says, the gay people. The fellow called them that? And the driver said, that's what he called them. And they were passing, passing in a stream of dancing lights along the trod. Mm. Just having a parade. 
Gaze on the trod. Gaze on the trod. <laughs> at that moment, they arrived at Sir Hiram's lodge, and Norman looked up and was kind of momentarily stunned because it's misty. It's kind of like, you know, it's just very quiet. It's this beautiful house, and the only living soul that he sees is Diana. And she's standing there all in, like, tweed, like, 1940s tweed. Ooh, sexy. And she has, like, a retriever sitting beside her. And she's just sitting there waiting for his car to arrive. And his heart leaps. And he just feels this intense feeling. It's, like, overwhelming. And all he's thinking is, that's my girl. Like, that's her. That's my girl. And so he got out. Excitement is, like, bubbling up in him. It's more intense than anything he's ever felt. And he's opening his mouth. I mean, he's just about to fucking risk it all. (laughs) Oh my god, I love you. And as he's like, hi. Love you more. <laughs> as, as, she's, as he's like, hi. She goes, did you have a nice ride? Mm. Uh, welcome to the lodge. I'm happy you could make it. And he's like, <coughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm also happy I can make it. <laughs> she's like kind of cool and is like, cool, get your stuff and uh, I'll take you in. And then she kind of turns around and he's like, whoa, embarrassing. <laughs> and he kind of follows her inside. As they're walking. She's just, like, being kind of cool, and he was not being cool. (laughs) He's being very uncool. (laughs) He's being deeply uncool. (laughs) So she admitted uh, at this point, she was like, I asked for you to be invited here, so I'm really happy you could make it. And then she kind of started showing him around the grounds, and just as she had said, the marshes were gorgeous and wild, and he was, like, really enchanted by this, and there's, like, they walk through some gardens and all this stuff, but just... Before they go back inside, where the rest of the party has, like, arrived and they can hear them talking, she suddenly turns to him and says, Dick. (laughs) Here? (laughs) That's his his real first name, Max. (laughs) And he was kind of scandalized and excited and a little confused. He's like, yes. (laughs) And moderately turned on. (laughs) She said, Dick. (laughs) Dick. (laughs) My last boyfriend, Bear Boy, was always ready. (laughs) (laughs) okay she said quote i may need your help it was here you know that mother went and i think i'm certain of it they're after me too and i don't know which is right to go or to say all of this and she sweeps her hand towards the house and the people inside and around the garbage the (laughs) (laughs) all the garbage (laughs) and around the look at all this tasty garbage (laughs) all of this will be yours (laughs) (laughs) okay she sweeps her hand towards the house and the people inside and the gardens and she says all of this is such rubbish (laughs) she says all of this garbage is just garbage (laughs) i've looked there's nothing worth uh, worth in there anymore anymore i've eaten Yum, yum, garbage. Yum, yum, garbage. (laughs) She says it's all cheap, nasty, and worthless. The other is so satisfying. It's eternal loveliness, and yet soulless, without hope or future. You may help me. That's why I asked you here. And he's like, what? (laughs) That we were going to make out? He really came in here like, oh, she's going to help me solve the mystery of who I am. And she came in and was like, no, you're going to help me solve the mystery of who I am. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. I'm the main character. <laughs> it's iconic, really. You're my manic pixie dream boy. <laughs> yeah. You've got to fix me. <laughs> That's 100% what's happening here. <laughs> then she grabbed his face and she kissed him on the eyes. Ah! It was impersonal, passionless, wet. <laughs> 
And then she opened the doors and brought him inside. She was like, hi, everybody. Look, we're here. And then, like, shoved him towards a bunch of people he didn't know. And he's like, what? And he's wiping his eyes. <laughs> Does anybody have a tissue? <laughs> so he's, like, suddenly forced to interact with a bunch of people and talk about guns and stuff. And he has this, like overwhelming feeling like he's just like oh no because he feels a little bit like her kiss has somehow sealed his fate and he's like i don't know why but she seems really freaked out and i'm very freaked out and uh hello my mm-hmm. name is norman <laughs> nice to meet you wait a minute what that was dick a nickname for norman i don't think it is but i don't know how richard norman maybe could be Maybe it wasn't a nickname for a Norman. Dick Norman. <laughs> Normal dick haver. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dick Normal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he gave himself the name. <laughs> the name's Normal. Dick Normal. <laughs> okay. Maybe um, this is all a social experiment where I interrupt your stories. I think we're doing a really good job on both fronts. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dick Normal. I don't know. I don't know English names. Is it weird? Is it weird? <laughs> so he didn't see Diana for the rest of the night. She didn't come down for dinner. And when he was like, where's Diana? Her uncle was like, oh, don't worry about it. She'll probably come out tomorrow. Like, she's not big into shooting, but like, maybe we can get her to walk with us tomorrow and the air will do her good and stuff like that. That night, he went to his bed and there was a note on his pillow. <gasps> He tore open the envelope and he read the letter. Quote, always wear this when you go out. I wear one too. They cannot come up with you unless you wish if you wear it. Mother. But the word mother had been crossed out and she had signed her name underneath it. <gasps> and then it says, quote, regifting <laughs> with a faint musical tinkle, a little silver crucifix slipped from the penciled note and fell to the floor. <gasps> yeah. But she doesn't have one now. She does. So it says, I wear one too. So she has her own. She's giving him one. No, I know, but her mom had one too. Yeah, and, and then she gave one to and her doesn't daughter. Have it now. Well, all right. So he thought about what the chauffeur had said about the equinox, and he was like, "Everyone's acting really weird here." And so he goes to get his diary, and he checks the dates, and he realizes the equinox is on September thirty twenty third. Thirty twenty third. The equinox this year was on September 23rd, and tonight was the 21st. Ha! He put the crucifix on and he went to sleep. The next morning, he was alone in, like, the breakfast room, and he was, like, eating a muffin and, like, looking at their assortment of, like, fresh fruit and stuff. And local brochures. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, this is nice. And she comes in and she's like, are you wearing it? And he's like, yeah, you asked me to wear it, so I'm wearing it. Sure, I like it. And she's like, good. And then she sits down with him and she's like, this morning I got, I went out early with the dog and I heard my mother's voice calling to me across the moors. And the dog had heard it too because he like started whining and his hair was on end and then he like ran back to the house. Hmm. She's like, so I'm really upset. And he's like, well, what did she say? And she says her mother had used her pet name, Dis. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) The name only her mother had ever used. And she had called, come to me, Dis. Oh, come to me quickly. Don't do it, Please don't do join it. us for the holy union of Dis and Dick Normal. <laughs> dick and Dis. Dis Normal Dick. <laughs> okay. So at this point, as she's talking, he's like, did you want to go? Like, is that, are you... 
Are you tempted by this? And she responded that the thing that upset her the most was that when she had heard the call, nothing else in the world seemed to matter. And then her uncle yelled suddenly that it was time to leave. And they were like cut off and they both jumped and they got up. But before he left, she whispered, keep off the trod. Don't put a foot on it. Mm. The hunting party that day was split up into different sections. And being the youngest member, he was given the section on the outside, which was like a longer walk. And the upside, Sir Hiram told him, was that he'd probably get way more game than anyone else since it was so far out. He's like, you're probably going to get the best shots out of all of us, but it's also a longer walk to get there. She's like, the older guys can't really make that walk. Mm -hmm. So Norman and his loader set off together. And after nearly a mile, he was puzzled when his loader suddenly got off the obvious path and started walking on the heather. And he was like, huh. So he continued on the path for about 10 yards when the loader suddenly yelled, for the love of God, sir, come off. You're walking on the trod. Oh, immediately didn't pay attention to this. True, real, on God. <laughs> True, real, on God. <laughs> Tra, on Don. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Too real, on dog. <laughs> so he like jumps and he looks down at his feet and he's like, what's wrong with this? I'm like, dude, you know what's wrong with it. Everybody's told you. Whatever. And the loader was like, we don't walk on there, especially at this time of the year. He's like, please come over here. Please come step on the heather with me. And there were some sheep walking around near them. And the loader pointed at them. And he was like, watch. Even the animals do not step foot on this path. And Norman's like, that can't be. And he's like, look. And then he looks over and he watches as the sheep all jump from one end to the other. They like literally jump over the path instead of stepping on it. Mm. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> Oh, no. Also, though, I feel like that guy should have said something earlier. Yeah, right? He got he off. He should have been like, hey, in a minute, we're gonna... I think that he was so used to people knowing this that he had just started walking and expected him to follow him. And when he looked over, he's like, oh, fuck. Hmm. <laughs> I forgot. So the loader told him that being on the path might be the easiest way, but it wasn't the safest. And he's like, I have my own children to think of. So can we please? <laughs> uh, and then he told him that when grouse shooting season was over, he was leaving, but that he had two little kids at home that he needed to keep safe. And he's like, in fact, today I'm sending them to my aunt's house out of town until the equinox is over. Like, I'm dead serious. I We cannot be on this path. And so then he told Norman that his dad had actually seen the gay people <laughs> one night from, when he was walking home from a sick friend's house on the equinox. He had accidentally found himself walking on the trod at night. And then he said, this is the story of what happened. To his terror, the whole place was lit up, and he saw a column of figures moving down it towards him. They was all bright and lovely. He described them gay and terrible. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and singing and crying, and jewels shining in their hair. And worst of all, he swears he saw young children who had gone lost on the moors years before. And a girl he had loved these 20 years back, no older than when he saw her last, and as gay and happy and laughing as though the passing years was nothing. So this was his dad's thing. Uh, the girl had called to his father to come with them and told him that he'd be young and happy forever. But the man had clutched his crucifix just in time and had managed to tear himself away. And if he hadn't, the man said, he would have lost his soul. It doesn't sound terrible. It doesn't sound bad. <laughs> sounds actually kind of good, right? Sounds fun. And, so the mm, so that day, Norman decided he's like, I'm gonna need to get to the bottom of this. I'm gonna go hunting for the truth. He decided on the 23rd he would sneak out and watch the trod at night to see if what he was hearing was true. And he's like, and then I'll figure out what to do after that. Well, you all were out hunting grouse. I was hunting the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Dick normal. <laughs> P.I. 
is. <laughs> okay, so when he got back to the lodge that day, he was upset that Diana wasn't there. And when he was like, where's Diana? Her uncle was like, oh, I sent her to go see an old friend in a neighboring town for like the next day or two. Don't worry, she's going to be back before we leave. But it, I thought, you know, she hasn't seen this friend in so long. So it's better, like she needed to get out of the house for a little bit. And like, he's just being cagey mm-hmm. about it, but he literally sent her away. So clearly the uncle isn't like playing around. Yeah. Uh, he's taking no chances. So the next day, Norman went out and examined the trot in daylight. And he basically mapped out how he was going to get there and, like, tried to remember where he was. And when night fell and everyone was asleep, he snuck out of the house without a noise. And he carried his tennis shoes in his hand and was putting them on, like, after he was outside. So, like, he was really trying hard not to wake anybody up. And his nerves were jumpy because out in the kennels, all the dogs were, like, barking and wailing. and But that was, like, the only sound. And it was just misty and heavy outside. And he was convinced that every sound he heard was somebody following him. And at one point, he was like, oh, my God, it's just my jacket. Like, <laughs> I'm, it's me. The night air was intoxicating, when with patches of silvery moon shining through the clouds and the wonder and mystery of the wild countryside all around him. At one point, he was like, why was I so nervous? This is incredible. Like, this is the best I've ever felt. And he suddenly began to think about the shooting party and how excited he had been. And he was like, that's stupid. That's so primitive. He's like, we spend so much money to act like cavemen, hunting fox and deer and birds. He's like, they spend millions of dollars every year to create superior weapons, which gave the hunted animal no choice. And this is how you prove you're a superior Englishman? By, like, taking a fucking automatic rifle and shooting a deer? Yeah. Yeah, he's right. So true. Quote, Against it, at the same time, rose some strange glamour of eternal, deathless things that took no account of killing, things that caught his soul away in ecstasy. Fairy tales, of course, were fairy tales, yet they enshrined the undying truths of life and human nature with their golden nonsense, catching at the skirts of radiant wonder, whispering ageless secrets of the soap, giving hints of ineffable glories that lay outside the normal scales of space and time." Fairies, the little people, the gay people, happy dwellers in some non-human state. So now he's just like thinking, he's being very romantic. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm. This I is love like, the gays. It's actually better <laughs> to be with the gays, perhaps. <laughs> so he reached the trod and heard a noise and realized that he hadn't been imagining it. Somebody was behind him. So he like quickly ducked into like some deep heather and he hid waiting. And then he saw it. It was Diana. He whispered out to her. He's like, hey. I'm down here. Come here. But she didn't react. She kind of stopped walking. She was like right at the trod and she was gazing in like a dazed way like she was sleepwalking and her hair is down and she's like standing there. And so he calls out to her again and he's like, you asked for help. I'm here to help you. And he jumps up and is like trying to get to her. But he starts feeling that it's kind of difficult to move. Like the closer he's trying to get to her, it's like he's trying to walk through a wall or he's like moving through water suddenly like he's just heavy so he starts to cry out diana dis dis can you hear me can you see me i'm trying to save you but she makes no sign that she hears him she's just kind of gazing out over this path he says at one point he says look into my eyes and she turns her head towards him but her eyes kind of go right past him to the moors And he notices that her hand is feebly fumbling at this tiny crucifix that's hanging around her neck. And so he puts out his hand and he seized her arm. But the second he touched her sleeve, he found himself completely unable to move. And suddenly he found himself seized by two passions. 
quote, to possess her in the world of men and women or go with her headlong recklessly and share some ineffable ecstasy of happiness beyond the familiar world where ordinary time and space held sway. Do that one. <laughs> yeah, do that one. Like, why? What? That's clearly better. Why would you? Yeah. No, this story doesn't think so, but they're really not doing a good job of convincing me otherwise. I mean, in the most literal terms, it's like either you be happy, fuck in the dirt, or <laughs> fuck in the payrolls. <laughs> fuck in the dirt or fuck while you're immortal. <laughs> So he kept his grip on her tweed sleeve with difficulty as these two desires kind of like warred inside of him. And then they saw figures moving, quote, fast and furious along the trot. <laughs> Family. <laughs> uh, they tuna were fish. <laughs> family and tuna fish. That's what VHS. those movies are about. <laughs> It's not about the cars, it's about family. That's it's what about I said. Tuna fish. <laughs> they were happy, radiant, and irresistibly enticing. He saw queens wearing crowns, people on horseback and on foot, old, young, all smiling and dancing, but he couldn't hear them. It was completely silent, but they were mm. clearly making noises along the trod. Quote, happy, radiant, gay. <laughs> They were forever from the grinding effort and struggle of the world's strenuous evolutionary battles, free if soulless, the gay people as the natives called them. And the sight wrenched at the deepest roots of his own mixed being to go with them and share their soulless bliss forever, or to stay and face the grim battle of humanity's terrific, noble, yes, but almost hopeless evolution. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sounds pretty bad. You are not selling this. <laughs> this fucking sucks. Go be a fairy. Be a fairy. They're happy. Ugh. At this, a golden-haired woman stepped off the actual trod. She, like, made it through past the thing and came to halt right in front of them. And she called, Dis, come to me. Come and join us. The way is always open. There are no regrets. And Diana started to walk towards her, and she was halfway there when he broke through the spell that kept him motionless. He was clutching the cloth of her sleeve in his fingers, and also the broken chain of her crucifix. She had, like, torn it off. Mm -hmm. It dangled in the air for a moment, and then the little cross dropped to the floor. And at this point, he was like, oh, fuck, I dropped it. <laughs> so he stooped down to grab it, and his own chain and crucifix flipped up and, like, hit him in the lip, and it, like, drew blood. And that sharp stab of pain woke him up completely, and suddenly he saw everything with perfect clarity. And he screamed, Dis, we must stay here together. You belong to me. I hold you tight forever, here. And he grabbed her around the waist and pulled her back, and then he kissed her hard on the lips. Hmm. <laughs> Good. Quote, he felt her weight sink back into his arms. It seems he carried her. He felt her convulsive weeping sobs against his heart. Her arms clung tightly around him. So he carries her off while she cries. The figures disappeared in the moorland behind them. There was no sound. The wind lay still. No tumbling back was audible. The peewits slept. The what? The peewits. The what? I don't know if that's them, like, making fun of the people in the house. I doubt it. The I bet it's like wits. the pisswits are sleeping. <laughs> you told a story called peewit. I did. But I think that peewit might be the name of a plant. Mm. Maybe. Quote, this is the last. Or a frog. Peewit. Uh. Peewit. Oh, I bet it is some sort of bird or frog. I think you're right. Okay, so this is the last uh, little bit of the story. In due course, he married her. He married Diana, and he married Dis as well. A queer, lovely girl, but a girl without a soul, almost without a mind. A girl as commonplace as the radiant non-entity pictured with shining teeth on the cover of a popular magazine. A standardized creature whose essence had gone elsewhere. Hmm. The end. 
So it seems like she maybe did leave her soul behind. Right? Yeah. Kind of seems like it. Kind of seems like she left her soul behind. Who knows? Uh, So that's the trod. I have a really cool illustration. Here's the first one. It's like a, this looks like a block print to me. Oh, I love it. It's like a wide shot of the forest with like the night behind it. And there are people on a path between the trees. Um, And there are some people who are like flying up above towards the moon. And there are some people on these like floats and carrying flags and stuff like that down the path. There is a chariot that's being driven by dogs, some gnomes and some fairies and stuff on the sides of the path. Yeah, it's very pretty. It's like a fairy scene. You see like women flying off into the sky. Yeah, it's it's the procession of fairies. And then when you turn the page, you have the exact same image, but the first one's all in black and mm-hmm. the figures are all white. And then this one's all in white and the figures are all in black. Yeah. Oh, but the cool thing about this one, between these two, the first one really just looks like nighttime. Yeah. Um, and you, you obviously see like the trees and the people and everything. On the second one, there is like the silhouette of a cliff and yeah. in the white light with the black features, the cliff really looks like a hand reaching out to grab Ooh, someone. It does. A little eerier. Huh. And then one more at the end of this. Oh, and then there's a picture of, I assume Diana, like a woman in um, like flapper clothes kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And she looks like she's like trying to hide her face from something. And there is the silhouette of all of these figures holding hands and dancing around her in a ring. Um, just floating in midair. Yeah, a woman being terrorized by fairies. Mm-hmm. So Algernon Blackwood was, this is the note that's in this this book about him. Algernon Blackwood was born the son of a fashionable dandy who was known <laughs> as Beauty Blackwood, mm. turned zealous Christian evangelist. Mm. Yeah. And he escaped from his repressive, isolated upbringing by turning to nature. His stories frequently explored the clash between confidently macho modernity and older, wilder entities. So he specifically kind of wrote about men kind of being challenged with these, like, supernatural things, which I thought was cool. The difference between society and what is natural. Yeah. He was an English broadcasting narrator, journalist, novelist, and short story writer, and was among the most prolific ghost story writers in the history of the genre. Oh. Algernon Blackwood. Cool as fuck. And I really loved his writing style. Uh, I thought it was beautiful and easy to read and intriguing. Mm. I'm going to have to read some some of that. Yeah, right? Pretty exciting. Yeah, pretty good. There's a really pretty Algernon Blackwood collection of books that I want to get next time I get paid. Mm. Okay, Max. That was great. That yeah. was delightful. It's like a vibe. That felt like a movie. Yeah, oh my gosh. It, re- it reads like a movie too. Yeah. I love it. Dick Normal. normal dick dick normal and bear boy (laughs) okay well i say we get the fuck out of here let's get the fuck out of here guys thank you so much for joining us today uh episode 118 next week we will be doing edgar Allan poe stories yes so come back for that and check us out on instagram where i'll share some of these pictures and join our patreon so that you can get access to the discord and hang out with us where we can talk about these stories and just in general have a really good fucking day we we like you a lot we like you we like you i hope you all have a gay and terrible week No, that not as charming as... No, that is as charming. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Testing. Testing.
testing. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm opening a bottle of wine with no. my body. Oh, you're Max is doing the little guy. You know. Yeah. I'm out here doing the little guy. <laughs> opening a bottle of wine. In a way, we're all out here doing a little guy. I was doing, what's it, what's it called? Are those flies? No. Where your hands are like by your hips and then that you put them so they're straight out from your shoulders. She's doing like called? arm raises, but she's doing it like that little guy that opened your wine. <laughs> you know, you yeah. twist his head. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you all are cool. Lawrence is his name. <laughs> Classic Lawrence and the machine, which is wine. Um, what's up, Max? Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, you know. I changed the light bulbs in our outdoor light fixtures today. So scary watching you do that. I regretted <laughs> getting you that ladder so much. I was like, oh, this is going to be what kills her. <laughs> I'm going to be on the news. <laughs> oh, buddy. No, it's a great ladder. It's a perfect ladder. Mm. It did take me half an hour to make it work um, mm. because you have to install a, like, leveling thing at the bottom. And I had to get out, I had to get out my fucking socket wrench set. <laughs> it required the, the use of two socket wrenches at once in order to put together this ladder that was pre-assembled. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> I replaced the outdoor lights, so now I can order pizza to her house without feeling super bad that there's no outdoor light to that turn on for them. That is nice. Yeah. And that's the only reason why we need an outdoor light, because of all the pizza we order. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Classic. Kind of. Kind of. Um, how about you, Janie? What's new? Honestly, nothing. Summer's in here now. He's digging around. Ugh. Summer has a cone on. He's mad about it, and he wants us to know. Uh, Summer has a cone on his head because I accidentally clipped his nail too short a while ago, and then it grew back in funny, and he kept he kept worrying it when he was, like, scratching his ear at a very specific angle. So I put a cone on him so I couldn't get to his ear. And then somehow, in the five days he was wearing the cone, he developed a weird infection on his face. So, <laughs> and he's just like, missing a bunch of fur. Anyway, I have to bring him to the vet tomorrow, which meant that I had to cancel my therapy appointment which i had forgotten was tomorrow which means i think i have to pay a late fee because i'm not there she might not charge me for it but i'm just this is fucking me up summer very inconvenient summer you dumb whore oh he looked so sad he really did i felt so bad immediately you're you're calling a baby a whore (laughs) you can't call a baby a whore (laughs) no you can't call it and i won't leave (laughs) Leaf, you whore. Leaf, you whore. <laughs> He's always slutting around on my pillows. He really is. God, that like, he has a problem. <laughs> he has a problem. He has a sex addiction for specifically your pillows. God, he really goes down on my pillows. <laughs> it's really gross. He's so bad. What well, a bad boy. 